Hello and welcome to You Can Slay That Again. I am your host, Tam, and we are on to episode three with the incredible Beck Rawlings. Now, Beck Rawlings used to be a pro fighter for the UFC and is now pro fighter for the bare knuckle as well as world champion who is about to prepare herself for a fight coming up. Now, her journey is about sharing her story with domestic violence and how she overcame it and got out of a really tough situation with herself and a family. Now, with that as well, we are also here to share any support and light with anyone who is going through domestic violence. We also have a special charity and a group called Rise Up Australia who are there to help any families impacted by domestic violence on their journey from violence to safety. So we'll put this up in the description box for you guys to check out the link as well as donate any money to this incredible organization. Now let's get into this incredible story with Beck Rawlings, pro fighter of Bare Knuckle. Welcome back guys to You Can Slay That Again. I'm extremely excited to announce the incredible Beck Rawlings, who is a professional fighter, currently uh, getting prepared for a huge fight with Bare Knuckle. She is world champion. She's here with us today. Beck, thank you so much for joining this podcast. Hey, no worries. <laughs> and it's cool to have a malfunction. My phone falls off. <laughs> I'm, thank you for having me. I'm going to try and stick this thing on there so it doesn't fall off again, but it's going to keep sliding. I know it's going to do it this whole time. <laughs> so fine. As we just introduced, which is really fun. <laughs> You know it's going to go well when that happens. <laughs> 100%. I think, actually, you haven't really heard. Every podcast I've started, something has happened. So this Oh, is, really? Yep. So this is becoming a theme. So... Um, Beck, I'm really excited to obviously have you on the episode today. Um, you know, I, we've been friends, you, uh, I follow your journey on Instagram. You're currently obviously getting ready to fight professionally. The direction I want to go with this podcast is obviously find out more about you and obviously everything that you've been through. So I do want to begin obviously with that in mind. You're a professional fighter, a mother of two in a loving mm-hmm. relationship, yet your story is something that so many women should hear and that is the story that you've obviously experienced or experienced domestic violence. So tell me how that all began. Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people are shocked when they first meet me or they, um, they followed me uh, in my fight career and then they get really shocked when they find out that, you know, I was a victim of domestic violence violence because it just doesn't make sense to their head they're like how like you are such a strong independent opinionated woman you fight people in cages (laughs) and yet you found yourself in a vulnerable position where you were being abused and tortured on a daily basis um and so it's it's very shocking to people because i think people most people think victims of domestic violence are you know these weak um individuals that uh you know are too weak and scared and timid to stand up for themselves. So they always think that that's, you know, your typical victim, which isn't the case. Uh, It's been proven uh, that, you know, domestic violence doesn't discriminate. It can happen to strong, independent, opinionated women like myself. 
it can ha happen to men that you would never think they would be stuck in an abusive relationship because they're like, how would you get stuck? You know, you're a man, you're strong, you can fight back. But it's not always about the physical violence either. It's the mental, um, the mental side of things in an abusive relationship that mostly is what keeps a victim in that relationship. It's not always the physical, it's what comes with the emotional side. So um, it is, it's, it's pretty, I think, alarming for people to hear that side of my story and um, knowing that they know me as a person, they're like, I'd, I'd never think that you would be that kind of person that would get stuck in that relationship, um, which just proves that it doesn't discriminate and it happens. Uh, and if you get out of it, it doesn't define you as a person. Um, it, you know, I don't call myself, I don't think I'm a victim. I think it's something that's happened to me, but it hasn't defined me. Uh, I haven't let that, you know, ruin me or shape me in any, in any type, like type or form going forward. Yes, it did happen to me. Yes, it sucked. Yes, I learned something from it, but it's not who I am. It's not what defines me and makes me the person I am today. And, um, you know, that's what's something I'm really proud of, I think, because a lot of people go through things in life and they let that thing, that bad thing shape them and change them as a person. And I think if everyone looked at it as a different way, it's something that's happened to them. And yes, it's unfair. Yes, it sucks. But it doesn't have the power to change you as a person or control your life. Um, and that's what I've always been vocal about. And that's really why I've shared my story um, and being so vocal about it because I just hope that I could, sh I could help other people that have gone through something similar, um, help them take something from it and not let it define them. And again, I, I read the article, it's just a very simple reaction to as anyone would say and, and because you are this powerhouse, you are such a strong woman as well and regardless, in, you know, of course, like, you never know what people are going through. And I love that you did say men and women do obviously experience domestic violence and domestic violence isn't just physical. You said it's emotional too. So my question on that, obviously with that in mind, and I've done a little bit of research on it too, but you know, how many times did you try to leave? And you spoke about torture as well. Like what, what point was it when it was like, okay, this is it. I have to go. Yeah. Well, I, I attempted to leave um, once when the police were involved because I was kind of backed against a wall. Like I didn't, I felt, you know, the, the cops have, have come and they're telling me I need to leave for my own safety. And um, to kind of go against their directive, I felt shit, if that makes sense. Like it, they were trying to help me. I knew that what they were saying was true. So I, I left with their help, but I returned because I believed his, you know, his lies. His, um, he, my ex especially used um, his mental health as an excuse as to why he treated me the way he did. Um, and so he used that as a ploy to get me back as well. He said that he was going to seek help. He was going to go to see a doctor. He was going to get on medication uh, and that things were going to change and he was going to change and do better. And I fell for that. You know, because I, I loved him and I wanted to be with him. I wanted um, I wanted our little family back together and I fell for it. Uh, even though deep down inside I had, you know, feelings that he, he was just lying. You know, it wasn't ever going to get back to what it should have been or how I thought it should have been when we first got together. Um, but a little part of me was like, like, you know, I can't give up on him. And he, he especially 
would say that to me. He would say that I, you know, marrying him, I took an oath to be with him for better, for worse. And I can't just turn my back on him. He was sick. Um, and he manipulated me into thinking that I owed him something to come back to him and help him get better. And it was all just a ploy to get me back because sooner or later he went back to his old, old tricks. Uh, and it really wasn't, I always, when I tell people, I tell them that if I didn't have my kids and if he didn't threaten my kids, I probably wouldn't have left and I probably wouldn't be alive today. Um, which is pretty scary because you would think that my own safety enough would want me to get out and be safe, but I didn't. I thought there was a part of me that thought I, I deserved to be treated that way. Um, a part of me thought that it was something I was doing and I was creating the situations and I could change and I could, you know, stop him from hurting me. And it wasn't until he threatened the kids that I packed up and left in the middle of the night while he was sleeping which was the scary, most scariest thing I've ever gone through because I thought, you know, if, if he'd woken up and caught me packing the kids' bags and leaving, I, I don't know what would have happened. Um, and so we did that in the middle of the night and, and we left. And I left with a bag full of the boys' clothes. I had nothing. I left him in the house and he destroyed everything. I had nothing to go to go back to once he'd left there was the house was trashed the furniture was trashed the kids everything was was gone um and I knew that was going to happen if I ever left I knew that he would destroy everything and that's what kept me staying but the moment that he threatened the kids was my moment to go this isn't about me anymore he's not just hurting me he's going to hurt my kids and I had a duty to my boys to protect them and that's scary to think, like, I know, of, of course, you as a mum, you're going to protect your kids, but my life didn't mean anything to me at that time. Yeah. He could have killed me. If I didn't have those kids, I probably wouldn't have left. I wouldn't have cared. And that's, that's really sad for someone to be in that mental state that they don't care about their own life, that they're willing to give up their life to try and help someone or fix a problem that's not even yours to fix. Again, that's amazing. Like, it's almost like... The kids saved you, but you also saved them in a way. Yeah. And um, just because you did talk about mental health and how he did manipulate you with that. There are women out there and those of you who are listening, obviously some people may be going through this. And if you are, or if you're starting to recognize patterns or certain things, I mean, you said that he was saying that he will go see a therapist. He will go get, Mm -hmm. he'll go on medication. And at one point, where should you start to see, not see the pattern, but is there, is there hope for women to work with their partner if there are obviously elements of domestic violence? Can it get better? Is, it, is, is there studies that show that, that they can work together mm. if they decide to? Because that mental, that mental health manipulation is, an, is a tough one. I think that's where a lot of women struggle with when men do use that as, as a way yeah. of getting, getting away with it. What do you think about that? I, I think... I think once a relationship gets to that point, I don't think there's any fixing that relationship. I'm not saying that that man can't move on from that relationship and seek help and then seek another relationship with another woman and do better and be better. But I think once that line is crossed within your relationship where they are going to physically harm you or emotionally torment you to that state where you feel helpless, I don't think there's any coming back from that. I think... um, the only way out is to remove yourself from that situation and it sucks and it's 
it feels like it's almost impossible, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you, you just have to take that fucking leap. You can't sit around hoping that things are going to change and that there's something that you're doing wrong to change it. Um, that was, I think, the biggest problem within me was I didn't love myself enough to want more for myself. And I always, I believed that it was me causing the situation. Um, and I was, it, it was easy for him to manipulate me because I felt a certain way about myself. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing is you've got to know your self-worth. You've got to hold yourself at a higher standard and know that you are, you deserve more and that you deserve to be treated well and you can't control the actions of others, but you can control yours and you can control your fate. I love that you mentioned self-worth and loving yourself. It's been my theme for this year. <laughs> and, you know, I would love to know in terms of recovery for yourself, you know, what work on yourself did you do to recover from what you mm. went through and what advice would you give to women who are going through similar and men, you know what, and men too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not about women. How did you recover? Yeah. Uh, look, it wasn't easy. It was a long few years. Um, now that I look back at it, I think in the midst of it, I didn't realise I was actually still struggling and I thought this was just me now. This is how I'm going to be. I was very um, closed off. I was, I guess you could explain, you could explain it as I was cold. I was shut off to most people, even though my friends and family, I love them and, and it was still, you know, bubbly back, but there was a, a part of me that was shut off. It was like a protection layer um, and I wouldn't let anyone in and um, it was very hard for me to feel connected to anyone apart from my kids, obviously, <laughs> but um it took, you know, a good three years um, just to even loosen up and make new friends um, and trust people in general, not just, uh, you know, intimate partners, but to trust people and to want to be around people again. Um, it, was, it was a long road, but it, it took within... It, one of my good friends, um, I used to say to him that I was broken. I said, oh, you know, I'm broken, I'm unlovable. Um, you know, that emotion's gone. It's, it's, it's cooked within me. Like, I'm like, just give up. And he's, he said that was a cop-out. He's like, it's a cop-out, Beck. You, you are taking the easy way out. Yeah, it's easier to just sit there and, and say, you know, you're cooked, you're done. Um, you don't, you know, you're ice queen. You don't feel anything. He goes, because it's easier to do that than to look within yourself and actually force yourself to put yourself out there. And I sat there and I'm like, I don't like being called weak. <laughs> And I don't like being called a cop out. And he knew exactly how to get to me. And I was like, you know what, Dom, you're, you're right. I am taking the easy road out. I am copying out. Yes, I deserve to give myself that little, you know, to, to just stop stopping so hard on myself then. But um, at the end, I was only hurting myself. I wasn't letting people in. I was, wasn't making these relationships and uh, friendships with people because I was protecting myself and my heart. But to get over that is you have to open yourself up and you have to put yourself out there so he basically did the you know you won't I dare you kind of um, tactic on me which made me stop and think and go you know what I'm not being because I thought in myself I was being strong you know I was being this strong you know bitch you know like no one could could come near me like I you know I'm this independent woman but in saying that that was just all a protection and it was a cop-out because it was easier for me to be cold-hearted and not trust anyone and not want anyone in my life than it was for me to open myself up and actually, you know, put myself out there and accept people's love 
and it's still very hard. I'm not a very emotional person. <laughs> I'm not a hugger or anything like that. It's still something I'm working on to this day, but it's a lot harder to put yourself out there and accept things that uh, could potentially hurt you. And so it's taken me a long time. That's been probably four years since I had that conversation with my best friend. So, <laughs> and I'm still working on it. <laughs> it's, and I, I love that you're not a hugger because I think when I met you, I did hug you because I am a hugger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it sounds like what you're saying is um, vulnerability is beautiful and strong and you let yourself be open to making those changes and peeling mm-hmm. off the layers, as you mentioned. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, but um, with also the work you did on yourself, I'd imagine that the kid, the boys, which I've met, they're beautiful. No, have I met them? Yes, I have met them. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes. <laughs> they went through a bit of PSD. Um, you know, what was, you know, as, as kids going through PSD, what were some of the things that you guys worked on with the boys? Uh, well, my youngest, Ensign, he was, he was pretty young. He can't really remember much. Um, it's my eldest sake. He, he was one that struggled the most. Uh, he, my ex was not very nice to him emotionally. He was never physical towards him, but emotionally he just, he was very withdrawn. Um, he wouldn't let Zake, you know, cuddle me in front of him. Um, he would push Zake away and not let him come near me. He definitely didn't show him any emotion um, or affection at all. And Zake also saw a lot of the physical stuff towards me. He'd see Dan um, pushing and shoving me. He'd see him destroying the house um, and things like that. So I remember one of the first time we left, um, Zake wanted to go home. He's like, it's all right, mummy, daddy stops punching holes and stops hurting you. Eventually we can go back. Wow. And I sat there and I thought, wow, this this is the this is the message I'm sending my young child that it's okay to break things. It's okay to hurt people as long as they stop. Uh, and that really hit home for me. And, you know, I, I vowed to, to my kids and to myself that I wouldn't let him think that that was normal. That's not normal behavior. That's not something a child should see and think is okay. Um, and the fact that he was pleading with me because he wanted to go home and he knew that he saw what Dan had done and he was basically trying to reason with me as to why it's okay. We just need to go home because he wanted to go home so bad. Um, so it took a bit to kind of get him to to change his views on things like that and accept that we couldn't go home and no, it's not okay for you know daddy to do those things to me. Um, he had a lot of nightmares as a young child. Just I think from the trauma and the things that he saw um yeah and trusting men again as well like he was very timid very closed off towards them but he's he's fine now he's a really loving bubbly kid um (laughs) very lucky to have him Um, Uh, so yeah it was when he was a bit younger it was it was a bit trying back then but he's he's much better now and I can only obviously explain about my own childhood experiences I actually said which you and I know Chris really well I said to Chris when I saw you with your kids I'm like that's goals to me I'm like she's such a good mom um do you feel that do you feel like you are a good mom do you get a lot of good uh I guess do people comment or ask for advice because to me when I saw you and with your kids I was like that's what I want to be like to my kids oh thank you (laughs) um look it, it feels like there's this 
I feel like this is how it should always be. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like this is what a mum should be like. Uh, it's not forced. It's just, it's natural. It's just love. Um, but yeah, I do get a lot of comments that my kids are really well behaved and we have a great relationship and they do ask for, you know, advice on things. Um, I think the biggest thing is when I, when Zake would make friends at school and they would want to do play dates, they would come introduce me to their friends' parents and their parents would go, they'd get all shocked. That's and it was like, oh, wow, like someone that looks like you can have such a well-behaved, polite child. <laughs> Um, and they were kind of thrown back because they weren't expecting to see, you know, someone that looks like me with tattoos and, you know, a bit of a wild child um, with such a well-mannered, polite kid. And I'm like, I, I look back at it as well because I, I had it sake when I was 19. And I'm like, how did I get it right? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even have myself at that point. Um, but somehow I've made this, you know, amazing human being that is so pro polite and happy and just well-natured. Um, it's definitely parts, I think, mostly just him. <laughs> I don't want to take the credit for it. <laughs> take the credit. Um, yeah, I'm just really happy that we have this, you know, loving, um, open relationship with, um, with my boys that we can talk about anything and they feel comfortable to talk to me about anything. Um, I'm, I'm pretty hard ass on them though. Like I, I don't let them get away with shit. I'm, I'm hard on them about their, their, um, manners and swearing and how to treat people. I think my biggest goal is just to try and teach them to be good humans um, look after each other, look out for each other, stick up and stand up for the right things. Um, voice your opinion if you think it's going to help someone. Um, hold your opinion back if, you, if it's not going to help anything, if that makes sense. Like not everyone needs to know that you don't like something. <laughs> like, it, that doesn't matter all the time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just, I just try to raise them to be good humans and to be better than what I was as a kid because I was a shit of a kid. <laughs> I think that's, I was a little shit. And then I think back, I'm like, I really, 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 really don't want to be, I don't want to get payback for the little shit I was to my yeah. mum. So maybe that's the, the pattern in that. But I also think because, you know, you obviously absolutely love your kids and you want to be an, an inspiration for them. And I think they definitely yeah. see that in you. And it's beautiful to hear the relationship you have with your boys now and that they have been able to, or probably still getting through the PSD, but as, as you said, they've overcome obstacles because of you and obviously because of the work they've done themselves. Beck, um, I haven't asked more about this, but I would love to know like how your fighting career started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, like I said, I was a shit of a kid growing up. <laughs> Um, I was pretty wild back in the day and I, I was quite rough growing up. So, um, but when I had, I was into basketball and gymnastics growing up, but, uh, I stopped, you know, competing in sports and stuff when I had Zake and I was really out of shape and unfit and just in a really bad mental space. And I decided to go to like a local kickboxing club and just start hitting and punching things <laughs> um, to lose weight and get get back into shape and I fell in love with it I'd never done anything like that I never did a martial arts growing up or anything uh, which I wish I did now because I'd be you know levels ahead if I'd started when I was a kid <laughs> but um, yeah I just got into that and I saw another class going on which was MMA and I saw them doing submissions and wrestling and stuff and I was like what's that over there? I want to like, I want to see what that's about. 
And so I got stuck into that and I just, I started training full time and um, my coaches eventually came to me and asked if I wanted to fight professionally. And I had no idea that you could even fight professionally. Didn't know you got paid to do it. I had no idea. Um, and I was like, well, if you think I'm good enough, I'd love to. Like in my head, shit had, I was thinking, it was like, oh, I can, I can bash someone legally and get paid for it. Shit, yeah. I'm like, sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> um, but yeah, in, in reality, it actually taught me to, um, respect others, have more respect for myself. Uh, definitely learned very quickly that I wasn't as tough as I thought I was and that, you know, getting into fights in the street and things like that wasn't, um, there was no honour in it. There was no gain from it. It was, it was actually weak to go out and pick fights on the street. Um, so it, it taught me, you know, more discipline and, and respect for myself and others. So it kind of made me do a, a full circle. Like I thought, you know, I could, start hitting things and and whatever just to get my anger out but in turn it actually fixed me and um gave me a a path to follow and gave me direction and on that as well that's what you mentioned it obviously gave you direction and more discipline and stuff i i'm all about the athlete mentality as a professional athlete yourself you know like what are the tools with that do you implement with your career and your career. life did that stop? No, I can still oh. hear you. <laughs> Sorry, I just made a weird noise. Is it beeping at you? <laughs> I heard myself, so that's why I was like, is it? Anyway, now I sound like a crazy person. <laughs> I guess because I am so big on mindset and being a professional athlete as well, um, what are the things that you do implement with mindset, with your career and everyday life? Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think an athlete, I always say that we're wired differently. There's something in, in our brain that says, uh, well, it doesn't actually say anything. I think that's the problem. <laughs> it doesn't tell you you're tired and you should stop. And, you know, what's winning? Who cares about that? We don't have that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think we're wired differently. But in saying that, you know, I've had times in my career where I've, you know, my, my mind's gotten um, the better of me and it's like, you know, why are you doing this? Is it really worth it? Um, you're tired. You know, um, you, could, you could get out of it right now. I know I've been in fights before where I've been in a really bad situation and I've had that little, that little inkling that comes in and it's like, oh, you know, you could just you could get out of this situation now if you just quit. Um, but then obviously my craziness is overrid that. And it's like, hell no, I've, I've got this. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the best, biggest things that I've always taken into situations is it sounds, I don't know if it sounds corny, but it's, you see people that are like, um, like positive reinforcement and saying like these mental notes um, and it works and yeah. it's like you're in mantra, it works and it's not corny and it is something that you need to tell yourself because most people aren't going to believe in you. And if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to believe in you either. So I think the, the number one thing is to tell yourself, you've got this. And that's one of my biggest mantra that I say to myself is you've got this, you're the best. You, like no one's going to stop you. You're unstoppable. And that's what I, goes around in my head constantly before a fight, before training, before um, anything that's big is going to happen in my life is I've got this going around in my head. You've got this you're unstoppable. No one's going to stop you. You're the best. You're the best. And it's, it, that's what I tell myself. And I start to believe it. 
and I think it's true. Girls, I know how hard it can be to be struggling right now during lockdown or if you are, you know, stuck with your training and nutrition goals, you have the opportunity to be part of my LMM program, which is a lifestyle mindset mentoring program focusing on inspiring the everyday woman to slay and show up through training, nutrition and mindset. I would absolutely love to be your mentor, coach and friend through these tough times, but even then, just to be the most incredible best version and new version of yourself where we work together on personal growth in these three areas now if you are interested make sure you do check out my website which is on the description box or you can dm me at my my fitness or book in a free call with myself and we can have a chat and strategize your goals Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be in this sport if I didn't believe I could go somewhere in it and I didn't think I was special and I wasn't going to make it. Um, but sometimes you just need to remind yourself. 100%. And on the topic of belief, there are, I've been speaking to my clients about the mantras and affirmations. It's always the day mm-hmm. and it's so not corny anymore. It's the positive, positive reinforcements. It's the repetition yeah. of the affirmations. That's what's going to help you get there, obviously, alongside with the discipline and hard work that you obviously yes. into yourself. Yeah. Um, what's been your biggest wins and I guess the what have been the hardest parts being a fighter as well? I think with fighting, it's it's very much an emotional roller coaster. Um, you have a team obviously behind you and the team getting you ready, but ultimately on your record or in, you know, in your fights, it's just you. There is no, you know, there's no team to fall back on. It's not like I'm in a team sport and I can go, well, you know, Becky didn't pass the ball to me. So that's why we lost. There's no one else to blame. (laughs) Um, And so you take all of the, not only do you take all the love and all the highs for when you win, but you take all of the lows and all of the hate and, you know, all of the blame when you lose. And I think obviously without the lows, you wouldn't have the highs that felt so good and you need the lows in the sport. But I think with, with fighting, it's, it's extra. Cause it's not only like, not only you're losing, but you're also getting your ass whooped. <laughs> um, your body is taking a punishment and you're losing. Um, and I feel like we, every fight that I take, every fight camp is at least 12 to eight weeks. And those 12 to eight weeks, I don't have a life. It's everything's dedicated towards my fight. Um, I've missed, you know, big, big things in my life, birthdays, my kids' birthdays, Christmases, funerals, um, every day-to-day thing that you can just relax and, you know, go enjoy. I lose every three months, um, every fight. So when those three months and you fight and you lose, um, it feels like it was for nothing. It's really hard to kind of swallow because you're like, I've lost, you know, I've sacrificed three months of my life to this and then I, you know, I make a mistake and I get kicked in the head and I get knocked out or I take the fight to decision and these three people that judge my fight have the opinion that I lost or, you know, what two thought I lost, one thought I won and it's just a really hard pill to swallow. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably the hardest thing with fighting is that it's just you in there and it's, it's like not that you control the fight outcome you do to an extent, but then it can be left in the hands of judges and they can see it differently. And it's just really, it's really frustrating sometimes. Um, 
And so winning a fight is like the highest of highs. You know, my probably my biggest career high was winning the world championship in Bare Um I made thank you. <laughs> I made history there. We our first woman ever to win that belt, the most oldest sought after belt in history. So <laughs> that's a really big fucking win for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it took a bit for it to settle and go, oh, hang on a minute. You know, I was the first ever. I was the first ever woman to ever do that um, and retain it and defend it. And it still feels, it doesn't feel real to me still. Like I'm just like, yeah, whatever. It's just a fight. But uh, when you read it, you know, in history books now, um, my tooth that I broke is in the Benacle Hall of Fame Museum. <laughs> <laughs> so when your tooth is in a museum, you're like, oh, hang on a minute, maybe that is a big deal. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> my tooth. Yeah, I made it. My tooth in the in the museum. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that the highs are the highs and the lows are the lows. Um, my lowest would have been just when I was fighting for the UFC. I I lost a I think I lost four or five fights in a row, and um, they were really hard pills to swallow because some of them were split decisions that I thought I won. Um, I just eventually lost love for the sport. I, I hated the the process. And if you hate the process, you're never going to do well. If you're not in love with what you're doing, especially fighting, you can't go into that sport and not love what you're doing because you're getting punched and kicked in the head. So <laughs> you better love it or you're going to suffer. And I got to that point where I was suffering. I wasn't, it wasn't worth it to me anymore. I wasn't in a good mind space. Um, and it just, I felt like, I was never going to catch my break. And it was just a really shitty feeling because for most people, the UFC is the pinnacle of their career. That's where you want to go. You want to make it to the UFC. And I got there and I looked around and I was like, this is pretty fucking shit, to be honest. <laughs> um, I didn't feel like I was a part of something special. I didn't feel like I was being treated special. I, I felt like it was all smoke and mirrors and it's all glitz and glamour, but behind it is shit and it just really got to me mentally and I just wasn't happy so although I once I got released from the UFC it was shit because it you know it goes all the media outlets report it and you get all the haters and people saying you know you're shit you got cut you know you're never gonna make it you're washed up fighter um but in that same breath I got signed to Ben Uckle FC and kind of you know revamped my career and and made history so it was bittersweet it was it sucked that I got cut but then I was almost relieved because I was done I, I just didn't want to be a part of that corporation anymore and, and what came with it so it sucked to, to lose your job and not know when your paycheck was going to come but then in that same breath I got signed to Ben Uckle FC and I was like well I guess this was meant meant to be, and I'm just gonna ride ride the wave and see where it takes me. So it, it paid off taking that gamble. <laughs> and I guess that's the message as well, because um, you know, throughout life, people are gonna have setbacks, and sometimes you're gonna wonder mm -hmm. how did that happen. And it just goes to show that yeah, you went through UFC, you weren't happy, you got let go, but now you've got bare knuckle, and you're so much more happy. You've made history. Mm -hmm. So it's just that even though you go through those setbacks, something more rewarding is going to come your way. Mm -hmm. Actually, on the topic of UFC, I've just remembered, um, you've met Conor McGregor. What is he like as a person? What do you think of his <laughs> fight as well? <laughs> I watched that. Um, yeah, you've met him, I'm pretty sure. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Honestly, he's 
he's boisterous. He's a like your typical Irish boy. <laughs> um, he's he's very down to earth. He's uh, I would probably he's very much like an Australian, like uh, very down to earth. You know, loud, witty. Um, and he's a good person, you know, he brought me out to, to Dublin to um, train with him and um, watch the, US, the Bellator fights actually that weekend. Uh, he took, brought me and my best friend out there and we spent the week out in Dublin training with him and his, his crew and it was a really good opportunity. And yeah, he was just like, oh, are you going to go to Dublin fights in Bellator? And I was like, oh, no, they didn't get me on the card. And he goes, oh, do you want to just come out? I'll bring you out. And I was like, you're what now? <laughs> So he paid for yeah. I was like, you, you just, and it was just a kind gesture to bring us out there to train and watch the fights. Um, and he's yeah, he's a good, he's a good guy. He's, he's um, I think he's just very misunderstood with a lot of uh, things that go out in the media and things like that, where people, you know, think that he's a certain way. But it's like anyone, if you don't know people and you're only going to see one side of them, what the media wants to portray, it's not really them. Um, there's lots of people that have met me and they're like, oh, wow, you're, you're heaps different to what I see on the internet. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks, I think. <laughs> I'm like, is that a compliment? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, watching his last fight was, oh, I couldn't, I, once his leg broke, I couldn't watch it. They Breaks like that, they, they gross me out. I can't watch compound fractures or anything like bones breaking. I can deal with blood, but when it comes to bones snapping, um yeah I couldn't but it was typical Connor he was still sitting there going I'm not out like it's, it wasn't from the chair fuck you <laughs> it was painful to watch especially in slow motion and he was still and again back yeah judging him either like I I I'm truly open to until I meet him which I don't even know if I will but you're right <laughs> can people in a certain way yeah haters can too you've said he's a good person as well and yeah the recent fight like do you think his recovery from that would be hard mentally and physically what do you think of him as I a think, yeah I think um well he, he originally came out and said like six weeks and I was like that's six weeks for your bone to heal I've fractured my hip before and they told me you know um 12 weeks on crutches and you, then you'll be able to bear weight. And I didn't realise that once you be able to bear weight on it, your legs got no muscle. <laughs> There's like all kinds of atrophy going on there. All the muscle <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but if anyone can do it and come back from an injury like that as Connor, um, he's just got the mental fortitude to get through anything. Uh, the, some of the fight camps he told me about where he was injured and, and just fought, like, trained through these horrific injuries just to fight at the end of it. That's not an everyday person. That's not, you know, most fighters would have pulled out um, at something like that, but he doesn't. And he just, his mental fortitude to push through things like that, he never quits and he always finds a way to get through things. Um, so if anyone's going to get through an injury like that, it's going to be Connor. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see when he comes back. And I think um, he shouldn't rush it. There's no rush. You don't have to come back too soon. You've got, he's got all the money in the world. And he's got all of the, the best team in the world. You may as well utilise them and listen to them and get, you know, back to 100% health before coming back because he's got nothing to prove to anyone. He's proved himself to everyone. He doesn't need to, to you know, put his body on the line again and not 100% healthy. Um, but it'll be it'll be good to see him come back. And, I mean, look, six weeks recovery. I mean, he must have wizards working for him. But I agree. 
that the more time, the better. And you're right, he has proven himself. And if anyone yeah. knows him and that just goes, and we spoke about this, the athlete mentality of a fighter is next level. Mm-hmm. And as we said, there hasn't been anything written on it because how do you explain it? We're just... Well, yeah. We're <laughs> level. <laughs> um, yeah. What is next for you coming up? Um, I know you are training hard. I know you and I have spoken about training as well, but what's next in the limelight with everything, whether it's just fighting, are you releasing anything? Tell me more. What's up? Uh, well, actually, there's a fair few things coming up now that you, you mention it. Um, the most recent thing is I'm getting married in September. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah thank you if everything fucking works down out up here if they're not locking us down and everything i'll be able to get married so <laughs> that's happening september um, um guys beck is with a beautiful man adrian so you found love and i've met adrian he is absolutely beautiful for you um, <laughs> incredible how couple goals so congratulations on <laughs> thank you sorry continue thank you <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're trying to get married in September and hopefully none of the restrictions get in the way of that. Um, and then I've got my fight in October, October 22nd. I'm fighting for Ben Uncle FC. I do believe that is in Arizona. Um, I'm still waiting for my fight contract to come through for that, but that's pretty much locked in. Um, and then I have just finished filming my documentary, which is really exciting. Yes, it's all wrapped up. I can't wait. Is that going to be where's going to, where's the document uh, where's the documentary going to be on? Can't speak right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're in the process of getting a distribution deal, so we're looking at Netflix and Stan and Amazon um, and iTunes, all of the you know streaming um, places. So I'm not sure how the distribution deal is going right now that I just heard that we've basically just got it all cleared through legal um, with all the lawyers and stuff because the documentary is about uh, my career and um, mostly about domestic violence and, you know, getting through that. So we had to go through the legal team and stuff just to, to make sure that, you know, we weren't opening ourselves up for lawsuits and things like that. So, um, and then trying to get all of my fight footage cleared um, because the UFC own a bunch of my stuff. <laughs> it's been a little bit difficult trying to get all my fight um, footage and stuff cleared for um, for the documentary. So we're still kind of going through all of that. But it has finally gone through its final editing stage, which is really um, exciting. And I got to watch the like the rough cut of it all and um yeah it was it's pretty good to be honest uh very exciting you know the first edit that we watched was very depressing and i was like look to the producers i'm like i don't feel uplifted i don't you know (laughs) i feel sad watching that and that's not what i want people to take from my documentary and my story because i'm not a sad person i'm not you know someone to pity or you know feel sorry for um so that's definitely not the the way I wanted my docker to look in so I'm very happy with how it is now because it's like it shows the shit parts of things you know the shit the shit ride but then it shows the highs and the things that I've done with my career and my life um so yeah it's very exciting so hopefully I'll have a release date for that soon but um I have nothing yet but it's exciting to have it finally finished and feel like there's you know light at the end of the tunnel and it's nearly done it was a very big process it was almost like two years in the making so 
yeah <laughs> question like how long has it been going for two years that's incredible like yeah i'm excited for that to come out please let us know when it is i will <laughs> currently obviously training for the bare knuckle and in terms of like food training i'm guessing it's non-stop you know you're training a lot right? yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, two, two days, um, six days a week. I actually took yesterday off. I treated yesterday as my Sunday and I'm training today because I was just so tired yesterday. And I'm just like, you know what, this is my Sunday and I'm just going to lay on the couch all day. <laughs> and I actually feel better sometimes when I do that, when I treat my Sunday as like the start of my week. I feel like I just power on through the rest of the week. Um, so it's nice to to kind of have a rest on Saturday and then power on Sunday through. So it's good though. Like I, I feel better when I'm training and in fight camp, I've got a goal, I've got a date that I can obtain. Um, when I don't have something like that, I'm kind of like, I don't know, I just don't feel settled and I feel unmotivated and um, a little bit lost. I definitely realise that my mental health definitely comes from training and having a goal in place. <laughs> And so I always need that goal. Otherwise, I lose myself a little bit. But, you know, as long as I've recognised it and I can always fix, <laughs> fix it with a date, with a fight or something, a goal, um, I'm always going to be good. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of women love. I'm the same. I work better when there is an end date. So I'm like, okay, I've got mm -hmm. these weeks to knuckle down. Sorry, I don't mind, hope you don't mind me using that. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and work hard as well with obviously nutrition training mindset and it's nice to it's actually beautiful to hear that you rested today too and obviously taking the time for those of you listening it's sunday here and beck being a professional fighter has taken the time to chat to us i really i really 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 from the bottom of my heart appreciate it and with that i ask every person that i chat to my last question and that is what does slay mean to you I think slay means, I think owning yourself, just just really owning who you are um, and loving yourself and putting yourself out there is like to slay. It doesn't mean, you know, like you're, you're winning at everything in life and, you know, you're better than everyone in life. I think to slay it means that you love and own yourself, your individuality, and you put that put yourself out there for people to to learn from to grow from to to even just absorb and you can bring something happiness to them um i think that's like the true definition of slay to me i love that and every single person i've had on their definition of slay is in incredible and, ex and as i said inspiring as well thank you beck rolling so much where can everyone listening find you on instagram or wherever you want to <laughs> whatever you want to share <laughs> um yeah i've i've got instagram facebook and twitter they're all at rowdy beck and um, also you can find me on OnlyFans if you are into that more risque kind of content <laughs> um and that is also under rowdy beck so um yeah all of my social media just just google rowdy beck and you should find me um, I'm still loud and obnoxious in on every platform. So, <laughs> Honestly, one of the most inspiring and down-to-earth humans I've met. I did want to talk about the OnlyFans, but I just thought, oh, I don't know if I should ask. But, yeah, you're... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... Yeah. Sorry, you go. <laughs> 
I don't, I don't hide anything. I'm like, yeah, follow me here if you want to see ass and titties. If you want to, if you don't want to see it, follow me on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> I love that. Is Adrian, and Adrian's obviously fine with it. I have friends who've got it and they've got partners and they're fine with it. Like it's a new world of, um, I guess, making money. I guess. Yeah, look, um, I don't, he doesn't have any issue with it. It's like, it's not like I'm doing porn or anything like that. It's honestly just my true self. I'm putting myself out there and I haven't been censored. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, like I couldn't even post, you know, a bikini photo without my photo being removed and threatened to be deleted on Instagram um, just because people were reporting it and were finding offence of my body uh, <laughs> i i'm like it's my human body like we're all born with boobs we're all born with ass like it's um nothing to be offended by and i'm definitely nothing to be ashamed of and that's probably you know my biggest thing is just own yourself and who you are and i don't let someone tell me what is and what isn't acceptable um just because someone thinks that's sexual and not acceptable doesn't mean that's true that's your opinion um so i like only fans because i'm not censored i'm able to do whatever i want say what i want on there and I haven't got someone going, no, that's, you know, against my, you know, community guidelines and things like that. So I feel more free on there, but it's not for everyone. Um, and Adrian knows, like, he's been with me for however many years. He loves that about me. He loves that I'm so unapologetically unapolog me. Um, so, and, yeah, he's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, he doesn't care. <laughs> and that's the thing these days. Like, people that judge are the ones that are insecure with themselves. They're hating mm -hmm. on them and negative whereas the people that I find who are inspiring loving working on themselves they're the people that don't give a shit about stuff like that and it's what you decide yeah. to do. fuck it yeah you know and yeah. something that you can show off yourself on a platform and I'm I respect that girl yes yeah. I appreciate you That's sharing true. that yeah. It's, what, it's what I always say to people I'm like if you don't like it keep scrolling if you don't like what I look like close your eyes I'm not making you look at me <laughs> it's not my problem it sounds like a you problem <laughs> and there you have to go fuck them do what you want to do it's a, it's yeah. a problem thank you so much yeah. I'll be uh, chatting to you a little bit later I appreciate you coming on here and being part of you can slay that again yeah. No worries. Thanks for having me.